Good morning. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I know so many of us are stuck at home, uh, and it's a pleasure to have you join us on live stream. We'll see that encouragement later of how many are tuning in and trying to make sure that they set aside the time to worship God, to think about God. Uh, and I'm grateful for your presence here this morning that we could sing together and, and lift up one another's spirits. I appreciate so much those songs. Uh, just gets me thinking and, uh, and, and remembering all that God has done for us. And I think that's so important, especially in times like these. Um, we're not worried, are we? Nobody's worried, right? There's no worry. Uh, yeah, everybody, everybody has some level of worry right now. Uh, and so we're trying to figure out how do we deal with all of this worry? How do we deal with the anxiety of life uh, right now? No matter what, what situation you find yourself in, you are probably being affected in some way by the events that are unfolding. Uh, and, and it may be direct or it may be indirect. Um, your, your life has been turned upside down in a matter of weeks. Uh, and this is, this is the way it is right now. And so we're not going to ignore that. We're going we're gonna to think about what we can learn from it. Uh, and that's really the goal of our study today. So we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. My intention was to stay on the foundation of faith and talk about the resurrection this morning, but I'll talk about that tonight. Uh, and my intention was to progressively work through the book of Matthew and not skip anywhere or just kind of work my way through. But I think this time calls for a little bit of a change up. So we're going to skip a little section. It's interesting. We are so in the section that we need right now in the book of Matthew. Uh, if, you've, if you've read ahead and you've kind of seen where we're going, uh, we've got the topics of money, uh, we've got the topic of anxiety, and we've got the topic of judging other people and relying on God. I mean, these things are very much what's coming up next just as we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount. But I wanted us to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit and look at verses 25 through 34 of Matthew 6. Uh, so if you want to get out your Bibles and turn there, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, uh, which is a section where Jesus starts talking to us about anxiety and to see what Jesus tells us about anxiety uh, and how he might help us overcome this very real issue in our life right now. Uh, and, and the truth is, this is scary. Uh, and, and I know that... Uh, we don't want people that we love to die from this disease, that that's something that we're afraid of. Uh, we don't want our health care system to get overwhelmed. Uh, in Italy, they're basically leaving people over the age of 80 to die because they can't care for them. We don't want to ever get in that kind of a situation, right? There's just a number of, of things that are going on that we don't want to happen. And, and everybody's getting worked up about this. And everybody's getting so anxious about this. Uh, it's been good to see the good things that we've seen on social media and people reacting and responding in positive ways. But if you're a healthcare worker, or if you are someone who is uh, in a leadership position in your business or anything like that, um, you've got additional fears beyond losing those you love. Uh, the, the economic toll and the, the, the number of, uh, of things that you're having to consider as you're making decisions, uh, we don't ever want to make those kind of decisions or deal with those kind of things, uh, but we're being called to. So let's look at <clears throat> what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and try to develop our perspective a little bit. Okay, See if Jesus can give us some help to overcome the anxieties and the fears that we're going through in our life. First of all, 
Let's look at verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? To start out, notice he says, don't be anxious about your life. He doesn't say don't be anxious, period. He says don't be anxious about your life. And then he goes on to describe some very interesting things that we need to be careful about not being anxious uh, of. But notice anxiety. What is anxiety? Well, it's not just worry, right? It's not just having concern for someone else. It's not as though we're supposed to be cold-hearted people that don't care about anybody else. We're actually supposed to be the most caring people, right? We're supposed to be concerned about other people, especially uh, even more than ourselves, okay? So there is some level of, of worry that's okay, but anxiety is excessively being worried, uh, anxiety is taking our worry to a level where it overwhelms us and makes us unable to do what we are supposed to be doing. Uh, I heard an illustration as I was studying this that I thought was pretty good because uh, I kind of felt like that. Um, do we have the Jaws theme music playing in the background <laughs> all the time in our lives? You know, dunna, dunna, dunna. You know, just kind of a, uh, you know, this kind of fear. We're all tense. We're worried. We're, we're upset. You know, this is, this is very much what is inside of a lot of us, that, that there's this tenseness, there's this worry, there's this anxiety. Uh, this is excessive, and, and it's hard not to feel that way right now. Um, but, but Jesus here is telling us, don't. Now, if I had preached this lesson in a couple weeks, whenever it was going to be time, and we weren't going through this, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, I don't deal with anxiety. That's no big deal. But really, anxiety is not a new thing. You know, uh, Having excessive worry about things is not just something that we're experiencing right now that we've never experienced. It's something that we experience often. As trials approach, uh, uh, come up in our lives, we have to deal with worrying and, and trying to figure out, uh, am I worrying too much? And thinking about, is this at a level where I've, I've gone beyond just concern about something and thinking about something, and now I'm actually overwhelmed by this thing? Uh, Jesus here points out that there are things that we can be excessively worried about. So we need to think, are we excessively worried about these things? Okay, let's just focus on this text. Let's understand what Jesus has to say in this text before we apply it to all the different situations that's going on around us. I kept wanting to just apply, apply, apply throughout. But let's look at this text. Let's understand what Jesus says. And then at the end, let's apply how it, how, let's see how it applies to us. Notice the things that he says. Uh, do not uh, be anxious about your life. This is the way he describes it. What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? How many of us have this problem in our lives? <laughs> we're, we're not really in that situation yet. Uh, and in fact, most of us probably haven't been dealing with this. This is not an abundance issue. We've got so many things to eat. We've got so many things to wear. We've got so much to drink. We have to decide what we're supposed to drink or what we need to drink. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about having a shortage. I don't have enough food to eat this week. I don't have enough drink to, to drink. I don't have enough clothes to wear. I, I, I've got a serious issue because these are what I consider to be the necessities of life. 
Uh, if we lived at that time, we might be more familiar with the dangers of famine and drought. If we lived in some different parts of the world right now, we might be more familiar with the danger of famine and drought. But the truth is, in our society, in our day, this is not a very real fear to us. We have not had to deal with the possibility of life becoming completely reliant on God and having to go without certain luxuries and certain things that we enjoy in life. So, so we struggle to apply this, but what an opportunity we've been given. As all this is going on and, and we're looking at possibly losing incomes, we're looking at losing uh, you know, food shortages because people are taking it all. Really, it's not because there's not enough food, but it's because people are taking it all. Um, this is something that we're trying to think about. And so uh, we have to think about what Jesus is saying here. Is not life more than food? Or the bo- is, is not the body more than clothing? Life is about more than these things. As we think about these things, and we're anxious about them, we're wondering about them, Jesus tells us, stop. Stop being anxious about your lives. Stop uh, getting all worked up and stressed out about the trials and difficulties of life. Because the problems we face today is essentially that uh, it's going to be hard. And he says, this is not your life. This is not what your life is consistent of. This is not what your life is all about. Your life is about more than food or drink. Notice Jesus says uh, what life is, is about. He kind of alludes to this and helps us understand this just a few chapters before, Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, you've got Jesus in the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights going without food or drink. And, and Satan comes up to him and says, If you're really the Son of God, turn those stones into bread. And he could have. But what does he say in response? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our bread, our drink, our clothing, this is not our life. Whatever other necessity we have is not our life. This is not the way we view life, that it's all about survival. It's all about being alive and and surviving life and having everything we need. It's not about living as long as we can. But life is ultimately about God. He created us with a purpose in mind in Genesis 1. And the purpose is that we would be his image bearers, that we would glorify him. And he repeats that purpose in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, where he tells us the same kind of thing, that we are a a, a royal nation, a holy priesthood, a people of God's own possession, who are essentially created to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us. This is the whole purpose of our life. We're here to proclaim God's excellencies. When you go to Exodus 16, you see the opposite of Jesus in the people of Israel. Uh, The people of Israel are given manna from heaven, and God gives them rules about the manna. He says, you're going to have this every day, except uh, on Saturday, so you're going to store up two for for Saturday to have enough. But I want you to to get rid of it and eat it all and then get rid of it because I'm going to give you some tomorrow. And the people of Israel are worried. 
And so what do they do? Well, they gather uh, enough and then they eat and they're satisfied. They've got plenty. But then some of them keep a little bit just in case. (laughs) They're worried about tomorrow. They're worried about their food. And they wake up the next morning and it has worms and it says it stank. Okay? God is training them, teaching them, rely on me for the food that you need. Don't rely on yourselves. And so he's trying to help them understand that life is not about our food, our drink, our clothing, or any other necessity that is selling out at the grocery store. Uh, That is not what our life is about. This may cause us anxiety as we hear this. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. Oh, great. So all this time I've been worrying, I've gone completely against God's command, you know. I'm, I'm essentially rebelling against God every time I worry excessively, and, and I'm, I'm completely lost. And then you have more worry on top of worry, and it's just the fears and, and, and the craziness just goes in cycles and gets worse and worse. Well, Jesus comforts us with the next words. He helps us deal with our anxieties with the next words. So let's look at this, verse 26 through 30. He says... Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into heaven, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So notice uh, Jesus brings up these two examples for us to try to to help us uh, deal with the the anxiety, to help us overcome the anxiety. He wants us to think about creation for a minute, to think about the different birds that are out there. Notice these birds are not planting seeds everywhere and hope that they'll grow up a harvest and hope that they can store it all up in their barns. They're not working and, and driving themselves crazy, worrying about the future. This is not the way birds operate. And as birds are working and, and doing the things that they need to do to survive that day, they are, they are finding plenty. They're finding enough to satisfy them each and every day. And Jesus gives us these comforting words, Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What comfort that is, that God is able to provide for the birds every single day so that they die of old age and, and eventually that's, that's it for them. They're, they're, they're given an opportunity to eat and to live as long as God allows them to and then they die and that's part of life. But God is providing for them every day. He's working on them. And if He values them enough to take care of them in that way, Jesus says, will He not care for you? Are you not of more value than the birds? And then he he points to the lilies. Uh, The lilies aren't working hard, right? They're not uh, toiling and spinning. They're not creating their clothes and and thinking about how they look and all these different um, things in their life to make sure that they're beautiful. They don't put in all that work. God, God sees it as a good thing to clothe them beautifully. 
to, to give them more than what they need, right? <laughs> to actually make them a, a spectacle, to make them something that's beautiful that the world observes and sees His glory. And this is what God does for the lilies. He does this for the he, he helps the birds. He helps the lilies. And the lilies are just, uh, they, they only last a day. They're temporary. They're just going to be thrown into the oven. And in those days, that's the kind of stuff you would use to kindle the fire. So, I mean, they're, they're, they don't have this great value, that, that this great treasure that you want to make them last forever. But they're so temporary. And yet God puts in the time to make them beautiful and to give them what they need. If God is willing to provide for the birds, if he's willing to provide for the, the lilies of the field, we can see that he's willing to do this for us. He's willing to provide for us. He's willing to help us in our lives. Uh, so are we worrying excessively about our food, our drink, our clothing? Imagine for a minute how this might feel if you were God. All of, all of our lives, God has been providing for us. He's given us everything that we need to survive. And then uh, some small event happens in his eyes like, oh, okay, well, this has happened many times before. It's just a little bit harder. And then we lose it, and, and he's given us all of these things, and we now say, you can't take care of me. I have to take care of myself. Imagine how that would feel. Imagine how offensive that anxiety, that excessive worry, that, that doubting that God will do anything to help me would feel to God who has done so much for us. We do not want to treat God that way. We do not want to feel uh, worry to such an extent that we're acting as though God is not taking care of us. God is not providing for us. We have to provide for ourselves. That is not the perspective that we want. It's because God has blessed us way beyond what we deserve that we are currently sitting on such prosperity and such comfort. And if we want to throw him out after all that he's done for us, we're disrespecting him. And we need to understand that. We need to make sure that we're holding him up and relying on him rather than questioning him or doubting him during our trials. Well, Jesus tells us a few other things in this section uh, to help us understand what we're doing and how this is all playing out. And he helps us understand really what our anxieties are doing for us and what they're not doing for us. Uh, he kind of gives us a way to think about anxiety. First of all, uh, notice that Jesus says anxiety is distracting us from our purpose. We're so focused on uh, living an extra hour that we are not focusing on what God has given us to do. And he says that you can't add an hour to your span of life by being excessively worried. Being excessively worried does not help the situation at all. In fact, it hurts the situation. If we're excessively worried, we're actually damaging our health rather than allowing ourselves to live longer. You know, in our society... We are very much in a, a mode, we've always kind of been in this mode of prepare, prepare, have more, have more. Uh, if we just have enough, then we'll never die. We just need more, we just need more. And, and we are so distracted from what God has given us to do because we're so focused and relying on our own ability to provide enough to live as long as we possibly can. 
But Jesus says that if we're doing that, and if we're focusing more on ourselves, and we're not relying on God for what we need, verse 30 he says, O you of little faith. If this is the way that we're acting, if we're, we're thinking more about ourselves and all the stuff that we want and all the stuff that we need, so much so that we're not going out and doing the good works that he's called us to do, then, and taking maybe some risk, then maybe we are showing we don't have faith in God like we thought we did. Maybe it's not to the level that we once thought it was. If we're excessively worried about our lives and our luxuries and we're trying to make everything work out perfectly for us and doing all of this work to survive, maybe we need more faith. There's an old English proverb that says, Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's what it does. It's, it's something to do. It might make us feel a little bit better. Uh, it might, uh, you know, in some ways help to ease the pain because we're doing something. But the truth is we're not doing anything to remove the anxiety. And the anxiety only builds because we're not doing anything to help the, the process. We're just making it worse. So instead, he wants us to be thinking about who God is, what God has done for us, and what we might be able to do for Him. What is our purpose in life? Worry makes us feel better, but it only makes us more anxious. It doesn't fix anything. We're wasting our time. It's not going to keep us alive for longer. It's going to hurt us. And we're showing that we have little faith. So we don't want to do that. It's distracting us from our purpose, from why we're here. We don't want to worry excessively beyond what uh, is reasonable. Now, what is reasonable? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32, he tells us something else. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do we see how worry and collecting uh, about collecting more stuff has impacted the lives of those around us uh, and how that is entangling us? Everyone around us has always had this kind of mentality that we need to be collecting more. We need to accumulate and we need to consume and we need to accumulate and we need to consume. And now their whole way of thinking has been altered and now they're uh, terrified because their life is about their stuff. Their life is about survival. And so now everybody is flipping out because we don't know what we're going to eat tomorrow or something like that. How are we going to respond Are we going to get tangled up in the way that they are? Uh, You know, people are uh, going home now and they're realizing that they don't even know their spouses because they've been living all this time focused on accumulating stuff, surviving, having more. That's what their life's been about. This is, the, this is what we do. We get so focused on that stuff. And now we're, we might have the opportunity to realize we've been entangled in the same things. We've been wrapped up in all of these pursuits instead of focusing on God and thinking about what is most important in our lives. So this is what we do. We get worried. We get entangled. And, and, and that makes us just like the world as we do these things. God's people are called to be different. The Gentiles are seeking after these things. 
But we have a different mentality. Why? Look at the end of verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. This is the second time in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has made this statement. God knows what you need. You go back earlier uh, and you look at the prayer earlier in chapter 6 and you see... In verse 8, right before the prayer, he says, Don't be like those pagans, those Gentiles, because you realize the Father knows what you need before you ask Him. As you pray, understanding God already knows what I need. And here he says the same thing. Uh, God knows what we need. Your heavenly Father is a Father to you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows what you need. God is uh, holding the future in His hands. It's not out of His control. It's in His control. And He loves us and He knows exactly what we need. And He promises, as we continue, verse 33, to provide the things that we need. He promises that. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So what should we do? Okay, we understand uh, what anxiety does now. We, we've seen some comfort that God loves us, that he's taking care of us like the birds, like the lilies. But what are we supposed to do when all these trials and all these tribulations and all these struggles come in our lives? Well, this is what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You want to focus on something to do. As you're, as you're dealing with all these anxieties and you're going nowhere... Focus on the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Make the kingdom of God the first thing in your life. And find the peace that passes understanding, as we read at the beginning from Philippians chapter 4. God's kingdom is supposed to be our highest ambition and our greatest concern in this life. God's kingdom is supposed to be the focal point of everything we do. We care more about God being glorified than we care even about our life. You know, we're tearing down all of these other things that are stepping up and showing us we care about this more than we care about God. We're being distracted by all these things. It's telling us, I value this too much. I'm anxious about it. I'm worried about it beyond what I should be. I value this too much. I need to just give that to God and I need to focus on Him. He is the the source of my life. He is what this life is really all about. And I want His kingdom and His glory to be exalted above all else. We should be praying and studying and asking for God to create a situation that His name can be glorified. And it may be that the current distress is exactly what we've asked for. It may be that through this, God will glorify His name, that He will bring those who who are not following Him and trusting in Him to put Him first. But His people must be people who are people of faith, who are seeking His kingdom first, and His righteousness. Notice, He also includes seeking God's righteousness. Well, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, what we've seen is the very beginning 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And then he says that those who are exceeding the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees will enter the kingdom of heaven. If we don't, then we won't. And then he says that we must be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. We're striving for righteousness. We're striving for God's righteousness, God's perfection in everything we do. We want to shine his lights. We want to represent God and show everybody how wonderful our God is by the way we respond, by showing love and compassion and mercy and gentleness and courtesy to all of those around us so that they understand who our God is. How difficult, I mean, this is easy to say, but how difficult is this for us to do? To seek the kingdom of God first, to seek his righteousness first, It seems like an easy idea until the trials come. And that's what we're learning in all of this struggle is that it's not easy to do, but we're seeing where those idols are, where those things are that we're we're valuing more than God and we're trying to tear them down. Our money is important to us, but we're realizing, we have to realize, life is not about money. Our children are important to us. They're a gift from God. I love my children, but they're not what life is about. Our elderly are important to us. We love them. We want to care for them and provide for them and and protect them in any way we can. But ultimately, our life is not about that. Our life is about glorifying God more than any of that and trusting Him to, to prepare and help us in all of these struggles of our life. The next thing he says is also helpful. Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love this verse. I love it. Uh, He's defining and helping us understand what excessive anxiety looks like. Worrying about the future, thinking about all the time what's going to happen in the future is, is really what's happening inside of us. We hear all this news and we hear all these, these thoughts about what could happen and we're so concerned in, in wrapping our mind around that and overwhelming ourselves with hypothetical thoughts about what it could be like. And Jesus says, let that stuff go. Focus on today. There's enough to be worried about today. And it kind of gives you the impression it's okay to be anxious about today. You kind of see the bird going after food, and if they don't find it, they're working really hard to find it. But it's about today, and that's all. And once we get what we need for today, then relieve the anxiety and enjoy it. Because it's a blessing from God to be enjoyed. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever our situation is, let us find satisfaction and peace in knowing if today is good that God has given us today to be enjoyed and not be so focused about what could happen in the future because ultimately we don't know. And thinking we know is ridiculous. And it's making us into people that are not godly.
right things and thinking about the right things instead of having fear about tomorrow. We're just focusing on what we're doing today. And maybe what we're doing today is preparing us for tomorrow, but we're focused on what we need to do today. And if we've done what we need to do, or if we made progress, we feel good and we understand God's got tomorrow in his hand. We're trusting him to give us what we need every single day of our life. All right, let's apply all this to our situation. I told you I'd have a hard time not applying it as I go through. I, I tried not to, but I couldn't help myself. But let's think about what, what we're supposed to learn in this text that's supposed to help us with our anxiety. Number one, you see the idea that we need to give up control. Uh, as we're going through all of this, we probably fluctuated between under-worry and over-worried. I, I, I myself have read testimonials on Facebook of people who've been through this sickness, and they're like telling us about intensive care and almost dying and being young, and I'm just like, ah, we're all going to die, you know, terrified that the, light, the world is ending, you know, uh, so concerned about all these things. But what we're supposed to see in all of this is that we don't have control. We think we do until this stuff happens and then we come to terms with it. And that's what we're supposed to do. Come to terms with the fact that we do not have control over what's going to happen to us. It's a reality whether we realize it or not. If we ignore it, it's still a reality that we could drive home or drive to the grocery store and die along the way. Or we could have an aneurysm sitting in our home. It's a reality that we could die at any minute, any second. We don't have as much control as we think we do. I like Ecclesiastes. It, it helps me uh, a lot throughout all of this, considering uh, what, what, how we should think about life. In verse 14 of chapter 7, it says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. God has made the day of joy and he's made the day of adversity. He's in control of it all. We are not. But he made it this way so that our life would not have this redundancy. We know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, but so that we would understand we're temporary and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and we might live in a way that is appropriate for the fact that we will die and go into a judgment uh, scenario and be sure that we fear the Lord, that we're doing His will and glorifying Him with our life. We don't have control. That's okay. God does. Uh, how are we going to use this truth in our life? The second thing he tells us that I think is hugely helpful is that we need to focus on today. We need to make the most out of today. In, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon also says uh, that we're here today and gone tomorrow. T life is a vapor. Uh, tomorrow is probably going to be like today, given you know, all odds and probability. But it could also be a total reversal of what happened today. We could wake up tomorrow and find that there's no virus anywhere. It hadn't spread to anybody or something. We don't know. There's a number of things that can happen that we really have no clue about. And we might think we know because of science and all these wonderful things that God's blessed us with. But ultimately, we know much less than we think we do. So focus on today. Enjoy the blessings God has given us today, the blessing of life with our family, with our friends, with those around us. Take advantage of the opportunities that we have to reach out to neighbors and to do good works for God. Think about how 
We can use wisdom maybe to extend our lives, but realize worry will not add an hour to our life. Okay, that's the goal. Use wisdom to extend our lives. Be wise today, but don't be worried about tomorrow. It's just going to take away from the blessing of today. And the third and the most uh, valuable in all of this is have faith in God. He says, oh, you of little faith to those who, who are just excessively worried about the things that they need. That, that you're just so focused on all of these things. And, and this really hits me hard today as I've spent much of this week being excessively worried about stuff. I've been stressed all week. Uh, like Martha, you know, busying herself with many things <laughs> and not focusing in on the most important thing. I need to have faith. We need to have faith that is growing, that is strong, that in times of trouble we remember to nourish our souls with study, with prayer, that we lift up God, we rely on God to help us. Our prayer life should be picking up right now. We should be laying all these cares and anxieties on the Lord because He knows what we're going through and He cares about us. We are more valuable to Him than the birds, than the lilies, than all of the creation that He has created for us to enjoy. We are more valuable than any of those things. So we have to put Him first in our lives and be pursuing His glory above all else. Um, if we don't do that, we're in danger. This is what Jesus is telling us. If we do not put our faith and trust in God in these times... We are in danger. Jerusalem and Judah failed to do this in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, he says, Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Cistern is essentially a man-made well to hold water. And so essentially what he's saying here is Jerusalem has essentially just said, we don't need God anymore. We're going to make our own gods and we're going to make our own way to survive. And we're going to rely on ourselves and, and, and really focus in on ourselves. And here God says, be appalled, O heavens, be shocked because God has done so much to bless them and they have turned away from him. Anxiety is a, blo- a broken cistern, a broken well. Money, uh, food, all these things, they're just, they're not helping us like God can. God can use these things to help us, but these things are not ultimately what we put our trust in. Ultimately, we need to overcome this struggle. Uh, We're all going through different things, and I don't want to belittle anything anybody's going through. Um... But we have to overcome this. I hope that we all see how fruitless and even sinful it is to be excessively worried about all of these events in our life. We've lived in such prosperity that we don't know what to do at this time. But Jesus tells us what to do. He knows these days are coming and He provides us with an understanding that God is with us 
that he loves us, that he's helping us. So let's not insult him and let's not waste our opportunity, but let's put our trust in him and love him more as he has loved us. He's given us his son as a reassurance of that love. He's shown us that he cares for us, that he's willing to forgive us even though we have been anxious and maybe we have insulted him in the way we've responded to this. But remember Lamentations 3.22, which says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Hopefully, our souls are longing to serve him. And all these trials and all these reactions are a matter of the flesh trying to come back up again, which he tells us is going to happen. And now is an opportunity to beat those down and to find a stronger faith and a stronger hope in God, trusting in his grace to provide what we need. Um, There's not many here this morning uh, in person, but maybe there's many that are viewing right now. And if you have not put your trust in God, if you have fallen into this, like all of us probably have, open up your heart to God and pray to God for that forgiveness that He so willingly offers every morning. His mercy is new for each and every one of us. And if you've not put your trust in God and you're afraid, you should be. Because death is a terrifying thing for those who do not trust in the Lord who has power over death. And tonight we're going to be talking about death and we're going to be talking about the resurrection. And, uh, but if you want to partake in all those blessings that are being offered in Christ to have hope after this life, uh, and you're here, uh, please come. And if you're not here, please uh, let us know your need and let us help you in some way as we stand and as we sing.